Hi everyone, welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by GR Dad. Good evening. Good evening, GR Dad. How are things? Pretty good. Ready to talk about some murder? Yes. Oh my god. Or attempted. No. Nope. Or something real that bad that happened in full, the keys. Full on murder this week. Well, I have to emotionally steal myself then. Okay. So I was getting used to some near misses. I am very excited about this case because it is just crazy all around crazy. <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. As usual, I have not been briefed in any way about this. No, I know nothing. All I've been saying is like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell you about the murder that we have for this week. Uh, this is true. Okay. So, August 22nd, 1991. Susan and Michael MacGyver. So it's Mac. Literally MacGyver? Get out of here. It's Mac Ivor, not MacGyver like the TV show. Okay. All right. Well, that makes uh, it better. Yeah. They live in Tavernier, uh, which is kind of up by Ella Murata. Closer to Miami. Yeah, it's in the Upper Keys. Um, Susan is a school teacher. Michael is a pilot of sorts. He's MacGyver. He's, well, <laughs> well, we'll talk more about him soon. All right, Michael MacGyver. Michael MacGyver, Susan MacGyver. Susan is eight months pregnant. Did you say pilot of sorts? Yeah, we'll talk about it. It's complicated. Okay. Um, Susan's eight months pregnant. Wow. Their friends, neighbors, coworkers haven't seen them, which they think is odd. So uh, they call police to do a welfare check. The cops show up and they find Michael MacGyver's body in the living room of their house. His whole head is duct taped. Uh, he's been hit in the head. He's just wearing a t-shirt and his underwear. Um, he's just got a little bit of his nose exposed and... Uh, he's been strangled and he's dead. Jesus. He's been strangled so much that his neck is dislocated. Uh, and then his whole head is wrapped up in duct tape. So weird. In the bedroom, they find the body of Susan McIver. She is in the bed. She's been hogtied, sexually assaulted. Um, she was tied with like the belt from a bathrobe and like a necktie. Her underwear was cut off like one cut on either side. She's been strangled um, with a garrote made from just like belts and stuff that were in the room. And her eyes were covered with masking tape. So pretty violent murder scene. I don't know how you get into this true crime stuff. This is gross. Well, so the question is, yeah, no, it's there's there's going to be some worse details in this, unfortunately. Uh I'll warn you when those are coming up. Okay. So I can cover my eyes. <laughs> well, just so like mm -hmm. you can brace yourself. All right. Uh, so it looks, so she had been dressed when this person got into the house. Her clothes have sort of been ripped off. Like I said, her underwear was cut off. Um, and they used like a black light and they found semen stains basically all over her. Like clearly she's been raped and there's uh, semen there. So they take the sheets in all of her clothes and, you know, put D the, DNA this, it. they're going to DNA it. Good. Uh, they also find a 22 caliber shell casing in the bedroom and a bullet hole in the bedroom curtain, though no one has been shot. Mm -hmm. Both of them were strangled. Uh, they also found an address book that had some pages torn out of it. The, there were sliding glass doors in the bedroom that were open and 
there was a box fan running, but it had been really raining hard the night before. So like everything's kind of wet. The body's kind of wet because like water's been spraying into the bedroom. So it's just a weird scene overall. Uh, now this, like many houses in the Keys is elevated. And so you can't just, there's no ground floor and they find a ladder propped up against the house uh, that goes up to the guest room balcony. There was a clothesline from the balcony, I think, you know, going down. That had been cut. Um, they found clothesline rope outside the master bedroom door. So someone probably cut that clothesline and brought it in with them. The phone wires to the house had also been cut. Good God. This is 91, so you still that still mattered? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's right. Not a lot of cell phones then. Um, so they find that Michael MacGyver suffered a severe blow to the back of his head, bruising around the larynx. So his larynx, his hyoid bone, which is a little bone in your neck um, that typically gets broken if you're strangled, that's broken along with the epiglottis. All of these are fractured. Um, And then the ligature marks on his neck and his neck was unstable because basically one of his cervical vertebrates was dislocated. So his his head was just kind of hanging on there. Um, He also had a bruising and bleeding abdominally which suggested that he'd been kicked in the stomach like really hard. Uh, Cause of death is asphyxiation by strangulation. They say he was conscious at most for 10 to 15 seconds after that ligature was placed around his neck, though he could have been unconscious, right? Knocked unconscious from that blow to the head and then strangled. Um, Susan MacGyver's body, she was, uh, you know, beaten up around the face. She had bruises on her legs and her genitals, ligature marks around her neck and her wrists. Um, She was fighting against those ligatures. So she had kind of deeper wounds on uh, all the places that she was bound. Uh, Like we said, she was sexually assaulted. And she was eight months pregnant. Here's where some of the worst details come in. Uh, So she was eight months pregnant. The medical examiner said that uh, it was a baby boy. It would have survived if she had given birth, like if she had been taken to the hospital after she was killed. The child lived for 30 minutes after Susan MacGyver died. Um, And there's evidence that tried to breathe while it was still in the womb and you know she was dead so she couldn't deliver the baby so that's just like extra sad on top of everything else Mm -hmm. all right so the question is what the heck happened who did it who did a shit what happened i just want to find out who did it yeah so i mean i care a little bit what happened but mostly i want to find out who did it yeah so uh you know there's two possible scenarios one is that michael MacGyver was the target and susan MacGyver was sort of there in collateral damage the other is the reverse that susan was the target and michael was kind of there in the way and got killed for being in the way mm. so which is the most likely scenario so interestingly after i had like done my research my initial research for this case i was looking it up and there's this great show that was on like i don't know court tv or maybe discovery channel called body of evidence uh, which was like this FBI profile. I think her name was Dale Hinman. And it was like her case files. And she was on the show. So she would talk about it. So it's kind of like forensic files. They'd have like reenactments and like they'd have her, they'd stage her like walking in to like go talk to the sheriff and wherever it was. And uh, it was a great show. I used to watch it all the time. And they did an episode 
on this case. Uh, So she was the FBI profiler who was called in to try to help them figure out where do they start looking for the person who did this and what does it look like? Right. Because uh, there's questions. It could go either way. So Michael MacGyver uh, was a plane mechanic and a private pilot. He had recently gone to Central America to buy a plane that had been seized from a drug smuggling operation. Oh, no. Uh, He'd been arrested four years earlier at an airfield in like the middle of nowhere in Central Florida by U.S. Customs officials because there's drug residue found in the plane. Uh, He was never, or he was charged, but they eventually dropped the charges on that. But there's a lot of suspicion uh, still that he's involved with drugs sure. somehow. Sounds reasonable. Uh, I think South Florida. <clears throat> some family members, some friends thought this. They're like, Susan, she was great. You know, she comes from this good family. She's a teacher. But the guy that she married, eh, kind of shady, maybe doing drugs. And so there's thoughts. Maybe he's involved with these drug dealers. He's going down to Central America. He's buying these planes. He's flying into these remote little airports. Maybe he's running drugs. And so uh, it could have been like some people in the in a cartel who he owes money to that he owes drugs to they go to his house uh maybe rape the wife and make him watch as a way to get him to give them whatever they want and he doesn't and they kill him right so that's a possibility the other possibility is that susan is the target and raping her is maybe the point and michael's there and he's just in the way so he gets killed I, I don't think that's as likely, but I'm just a lay person. So this is the police are, you know, looking both ways. And uh, so, you know, they're kind of asking around and getting some of these stories about Michael maybe being involved with drugs and then also looking for other sketchy people in the neighborhood. Um, they identify one person, Thomas Overton, who works at a gas station nearby who everyone's like, nah, this dude's a little bit sketchy. And they're kind of looking at him. They're kind of looking at the drug thing. And then uh, an informant goes to the FAA in Miami and says, two Colombian drug smugglers killed the MacGyvers. I know who they are, and I can help you find them. Hmm. Now, the FBI profiler, Dale Hinman, has come in, and she says, I think they were going for the wife. I don't think they were going for the husband. Um, because the husband's eyes are covered. So if they're raping the wife to get the husband to watch, well, his eyes are covered. His mouth is covered. His whole head is duct tape. So if they want him to tell them something, he can't tell them anything if his face is wrapped up like this. It also looks to her like an unprofessional job. She's like, if these are drug dealers, they're like professional hitmen. They're going to come with their equipment. All the stuff that was used in these crimes is stuff that was in the house right? Like she was tied up with like belts and stuff from the drawers. Um, He was hit in the head with a pipe, which was a pipe that they used to kind of lock their sliding glass door. It was just in the house. Um, So she's like, it's too sloppy for Colombian drug dealers. And uh, the police kind of aren't going with her. And then they get this informant who goes to the FAA and is like, look, it's these Colombians. Not a jailhouse informant, like some free dude. Some uh, some dude is just like, hey, I know something. Yeah. So, well, he's got some problems. So this this informant, like he's sort of in trouble and goes to, the, excuse me, goes to the FAA 
and is like, look, how about we reduce some of this trouble I'm in because I know these Colombian drug dealers mm, who execute. Interesting. That's yeah. very good incentive. Yes. Uh, so they send agents to Colombia to investigate this. They spend two months trying to track down these guys. They can't. They find, don't exist. They can't find anything. And eventually the informant admits that he just made the whole thing up. Uh, so he could maybe get leniency in the case that was against him. I hope he maybe did not get leniency. I yep. hope he maybe got an ex- like extended sentence for this bullshit. Yeah. So we don't have any more details about what happened to that informant. But uh, they're like, all right, maybe we go look at the wife as the target, which is what the FBI informant told us to look at. So uh, the guy, Thomas Overton, that had been like their other suspect, he's a cat burglar. Break, well, that's break. it then. Yeah, he breaks into houses sometimes when the people are there. Uh, seems like a real creeper, and uh, and had talked to you know other criminals and talked about his mo, how it was like best to do it when there was a power outage, how you cut the phone lines, all of this stuff. So a lot of it's matching yeah. his mo, um, and he worked at the gas station nearby the Overton's house. It's where Susan Overton would, I'm sorry, uh, Susan MacGyver would go to get gas. gas. And so it's 1991, so she would pay with a check a lot of the time. I think in 91, I still hated people who paid with checks in line, uh, but whatever. So he tells someone like, oh yeah, you know, sometimes this Susan MacGyver, she could be quote, hot and cold. Some days she was nice and other days she was bitchy. That's well, what, what did he about. do in this gas station? He, he was like there. an attendant or a cashier. He yeah, would take her checks. He would take her checks, so he had her address. Nice. Yep. Um, and so they're like, all right, this is the guy that we got to look at. And Duh. He, yeah. So uh, they're looking at him, and they just don't have a lot of evidence, but they're watching him, and eventually they catch him breaking into somebody else's house and arrest him. Okay. So... He's in the Montgomery County Jail, or the Monroe County Jail. Yeah. And while he's there, he meets this other dude and essentially tells him all about the crime. Mm. This dude then goes to the police and is like, this guy did it. Let me tell you all about it. Um, including details like either when he was sexually assaulting Susan or after she died, he felt the baby kicking and like put his hand on her stomach to feel it um had a bunch of other you know pretty clear details that make it out that this was the guy like where he got the pipe that he hit uh hit him with why he wrapped his head up like that basically he's like i know if i strangled him his eyes might pop out and so i wanted to tape them shut and i taped his mouth closed to like prevent like blood from getting on so they've got this guy who says yeah that he did it, but it's a jailhouse informant, right? Yeah, it's so it's a lot more reliable than Mr. FAA plea bargain dude. For sure, right? I mean, it's co- corroborated with the evidence, but they're like, uh, you know, we need to figure out that it's him, even though you ninety-one. Know, this, so they 91. think of DNA the same way we they're, do today. No. It, it's harder. Um, yeah. And they really want to do a DNA test, and they asked him for a DNA sample, and he said no, and. Apparently, I don't know at that point if the laws were there to compel one or not, or mm-hmm. if they just didn't have the grounds 
to ask him for one. So what they've got is like they have his MO for robbery, using the ladder, cutting the phone lines, doing all this stuff that exactly matches. They've got this jailhouse informant. They cannot get a DNA sample, Mm. which they feel like they really need, that this jailhouse informant is not reliable enough. So they're kind of stuck for a while. So Overton gets tried for that burglary that he got caught doing, which is why he was in jail. Mm -hmm. And he gets sentenced for that. Good. He's real depressed while he's in jail for this. And the cops are like, we could maybe use this to our advantage. He's like, I want a razor so I can shave. And they're like, you know what? Sure. Here you go. They give him a razor to shave with. He takes the razor apart and cuts his throat. Oh. Tries to commit suicide. Uh, they're keeping a super close watch on him because they've given him this razor and they know he's sort of suicidal. So they're being discreet about it. But as soon as he does it, they rush in. They save him. They take some blood. And they use these towels to mop up the blood. And then they use it for a DNA test. Good. I mean, worst case, he succeeds. Yeah. Too bad. It's crazy to be like, he's suicidal. We know he's going to cut himself. So let's give him a razor so he can do it. And then we'll use that to yeah, get DNA. Yeah, but they might have also thought he was going to shave and that might have given him a DNA too. Who knows? It's funny because in the, uh, in the body of evidence episode, they're interviewing one of the detectives and he's like, yeah, you know, he cut himself with a razor that he'd been given to shave. He'd been given to and, shave. <laughs> yeah, and I think he goes like, and we were able to use some of, like we were able to get like some of the toilet paper that he used to dab that up. And it's like, that's not actually the story. They gave him a razor because they knew he'd try to kill himself with it. And they took the towels that they used to like catch the blood. So in the TV <laughs> show, it sounded like he nicked himself shaving. Yeah, and then they snuck in and got it. But other reports that I read were like, no, they gave him this and he made a suicide attempt and they collected it. It just depends if he was like a straight razor. Did they give him a straight razor? <laughs> or did they give him a little safety razor and he was trying, trying to use that little teeny tiny blade? But so my, my evidence that they actually gave this to him is that uh, they then bring him in for an interview and they don't tell him that it's about the murder. It's you know, they make it out like it's about other robberies. And they're like, look, you are the most brilliant burglar that we've ever seen. And, you know, we just want to clear some things up. We don't even necessarily want to charge you with this stuff. We just want to know which of these houses are ones that you've hit because we just haven't been able to catch you. And, uh, you know, just so we stop looking at other people. Because, you know, you're already in jail for this other one. So we just want to be able to close these out. Hmm. Have you been to this house? No, I didn't do this house. What about this one? Yeah, that's one that I did. And then he shows them the MacGyver's house. He's like, no, never that house. They're like, you've never been in this house? You never robbed this house? No. And they're like, did you kill the people in that house? And he's like, I see what you're doing here. I don't want to talk to you anymore. He's like, you're trying to put me at that house. I didn't do it. And they're like, it'd be a really good idea for you to talk. He's like, nope, I'm not talking anymore. And they're like, just so you know, uh, there was DNA left at that scene. And one of the detectives just can't resist. He goes, you cut your own throat here because we got the blood. (laughs) And it's like, and it's like that gets repeated in a bunch of things. Like he basically cut his own throat by trying to cut his own throat. (laughs) And it's like, you wouldn't say that if he nicked himself shaving, like you're trying to be so clever detective. So yeah, they give him a razor. So he'll attempt suicide and then they get the blood. Okay. Um, And it's a match, like undisputed match. And that's basically the foundation of the whole case. I mean, everything else matches too. There's, this is like 
not that much. I mean, they had the informant, right? That would have been pretty good already. Yeah. But like, even if you now go like that informant is totally corrupt and there's all sorts of like appeals kind of bullshit accusations thrown about this informant um, that all seems to be a lot of made up stuff. It doesn't matter. You have like a one in six billion match with the DNA and she clearly has, you know, she's got bruising and all kinds of things. Like she very clearly was sexually assaulted. This wasn't a consensual thing. Like her clothes had been cut off, ripped off. She's eight months pregnant. And she's eight months pregnant. Yeah. And she's been killed and her husband's been killed. Um, So that's really the foundation. And uh, he is convicted of first degree murder for both Michael and Susan killing an unborn. So he gets the death sentence for both of those. Oh, capital murder. Yeah. Yeah. 15 years for killing an unborn child, life in prison for burglary of a dwelling and life in prison for sexual battery involving serious physical force. So it's just piled on there. So he's got two death sentences, two life sentences, and then 15 years for the killing of the infant. Good. Uh, he tries to appeal with like a whole bunch of bullshit and I mean, there's a ton of stuff about the appeals. There's like this big salacious story about how an informant, and I can't tell if it's this guy cause he's got a different name, but I, maybe it's an alias and that the like police like had a prostitute come in and perform oral sex on him while he was handcuffed. And I, I couldn't tease any of it out and none of it seemed to be corroborated. It just seemed to be like this sort of made up thing. Uh, and it didn't go anywhere yeah. anyway. And uh, so, yeah, so he is currently on death row. So it was a five-year investigation. Uh, he was convicted in 1996. So the crime was in 1991. Uh, he was convicted in, well, let me read you the little trial summary, actually. Uh, so he pled not guilty in '96. And then the public defender's office filed a motion to withdraw as counsel. Wow. And that was granted. And then his next lawyer in 1997, four months later, filed a motion to withdraw. And that was granted. And wow. And then he gets his third lawyer. And so it, it's a, the irreconcilable differences is what it sounds like. So it seems like this guy must be a real piece it's, of work. Often if he announces he's going to go up and lie on the stand or, you know, yeah. Interesting. It, it's not easy you know i mean you just public defenders especially right they're kind of yeah. stuck with their clients yeah so uh so yeah november of 96 the first public defender withdraws it's granted in december april of 97 the second one it applies to withdraw that's granted in may third one is a third i don't know if it's a public defender or someone who took it pro bono but third person's appointed um and then finally he's convicted in 99 so five-year investigation before he ha- enters a plea, uh, and then eight years later, or seven years later, he's uh, convicted. And then but in, he's in jail the whole time for the other thing. That's right. I mean, and it, it gave them time to really do a much deeper investigation because they, you know, they the it streets. was a smart thing, right? To like they caught him doing this other burglary, which you know I think he has a life sentence for this burglary. Good. Um, so he could have been in you know jail that they they were able to take all. Yeah, the time. but it wasn't like that. It, he was out for 10 years and did other bad things. He was, he was locked That's away. Right. They could take their time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if he'd been out and they had this jailhouse informant, they may have yeah. gone ahead and, and brought him in on that. But since they have time, sure. You know, get the evidence with the throat slitting thing. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, he is sentenced in 99. Okay. January, 2009, 10 years later, 
This article in Salon magazine, salon.com, up here is called My Life in the Murder Mystery House. And it is about the guy who bought the house that the MacGyvers were killed in. I don't know, man. He said, this is the opening paragraph. I'll read you the opening two. Maybe the opening three. It's really good. Most of it's a summary of the murder. He says, the mysterious noises continued in different areas of the house. Now that I knew the house that I lived in is the one that the young couple was killed in, I was more curious than ever about the noises and the case. I'm not so much a believer in ghosts and spirits as I am a believer that just because something can't be explained by science doesn't mean that it isn't possible. The noise wasn't a spooky noise. It's also not a noise that could be explained away by the normal happenings that go on in the house. Mm. When I lived downstairs in, a fl- in that flat, It sounded like someone was dropping something on the floor upstairs. When I moved upstairs, it sounded like something was dropping something on the floor upstairs. The best I can describe the noise is if you took a solid object like a ball bearing and dropped it on a ceramic tile floor, maybe 8 or 10 inches, and the objects would bounce several times before settling. The intervals would get closer together as it bounced lower to the floor. And uh, so then he goes on and sort of writes a whole story, you know, recapping the murder and, and... it gets summarized. I lived in the house for another three and a half years. I never discovered the source of the strange noises. They continued until the day I left. It's a rat. <laughs> so just throw in that at least Michael Rogers of Salon.com says the house is now haunted. But you lived there for three and a half years. He wasn't, it wasn't that haunted. Well, look, man, I'm just... Didn't hurt him. <laughs> so there you go. That is the crazy... Story, I was just like, I've never heard of police going like, you're going to kill yourself? That's a great way for us to get some DNA. Let's do it. Well, they may have been okay with him going through with it, too. Yeah, no, I mean, mean, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Is he ready for a dog palate cleanser? Yeah, this is pretty gruesome. I'm glad they got the guy, and he's hopefully going to, I mean, look, I'm fine with the death penalty if it's someone who's guilty. Yeah, I don't know if Florida's carrying out the death penalty these days. Are they still actively... Ex- I know you can get sentenced. Are they actively executed? This is me nodding. I see you nodding. Virginia, Texas, I think still Florida. I uh, mean, they're yeah. just still pretty pretty productive. Well, so our good dog story of the week is just a random tweet that I came across. And it says, a journalist went to cover a story about a shelter for abandoned dogs. This good boy clung to the writer upon leaving... Dude adopted him and took him home. Yeah. Have you seen this tweet? It's so good. It's this little dog. Oh, he's such a hugger. He's just like hugging the guy's thigh and snugging up with his with his face in the guy's thigh. So yeah, cute. Yeah, you can kind of hear it playing in the background there. Yeah, it's just this video of the dog like standing on his back legs. Just and, hugging the guy's leg. Yeah, yeah. And just like looking up at him and the guy's petting him. I wouldn't be able to go. I'd be like, hey, dear dad, uh, we got another dog. <laughs> This dog really needed to come home with you. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great story. So it was, it's nice. Uh, I mean, it's so, the dog is so sweet and just like, I love you, please, please take me. <laughs> Get me out of here. Yeah. You can, and the guy's like, okay. You can escape me. Yeah. So that's very sweet. So. Uh, that's good. Uh, any final thoughts? You no, I think cops are good when cops are good. Yeah, good job, everybody. That was a good investigation. Yeah. Uh, if you do want to know more... Uh, that gets into sort of more details, especially of the profiling check. You can look for uh, that body of evidence. It's on YouTube. Uh, I wasn't able to find it like in any legitimate oh, this is sources. The, the FBI profiler whom no one believes because she's female. <laughs> That's not a problem. Uh, it's my theory. 
So it's called Mystery in Tavernier Key, and uh, I'll put a link to it in the description for the podcast. Sub- subtitle, Why Won't Any of These Sheriffs Ever Believe Me? <laughs> With she, the FBI. The whole series is about her, right? It's her cases. Yeah. Uh, and she's always right. Uh, but, yeah. you know, if you get somebody saying, like, I know the two drug dealers who did this, I think it's reasonable for the cops to be like, okay, well, we'll d- take a look at that. Fair enough. Um, so you can watch that if you want to know more about this. Uh, there's also a Murderpedia entry about it. Uh, there's, there's, not, a, there's a Murderpedia? <laughs> yes, Murderpedia is awesome. It's basically just a collection of articles about different murders. And you so, just, like, search by victim or search by... Doer? Perpetrator. Search by perpetrator. Perp. Yep. So Thomas Overton uh, has a Murderpedia page, and it j- they just basically copy and paste articles about the case into a big file. I think they should links. go by victims. But then if you get like Ted Bundy, right? I don't want notoriety him. by killer, though. I don't want to. Yeah. Well, like, it doesn't their celebrate this. No, I gives them fame. Sort of. I guess, but like I wanted to look up this dude and there fair, it was. Fair enough. Um, so if you go to Murderpedia, you can find uh, Thomas Overton in there. Murderpedia. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Murders Paradise and Instagram Murders in Paradise. And I've got some pictures. Uh, nothing gruesome, just you, as if you've been following, you know, it's mostly mugshots, occasional like pictures of evidence, like boats and cars and things. And then there's. When videos of action-packed street shootouts though that we get those videos too yeah and uh and jared dad and i were in uh in key west yesterday and went past the scenes of some of the crimes that we've talked about and took some pictures and so i'll randomly kind of be posting those just like hey this is the bar that we talked about in episode 11 or you know this is the alley from episode 12 yeah we're like weird murder tourists now yeah it's like oh that's the place oh that's the alley great. let's go in there great pose like the guy great <laughs> um so thanks for listening and until next week don't conk out bye bye